Welcome to episode 106 of All In With Kevin. I am your host, Kevin Lewis. In today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Jets' win over the Miami Dolphins. Um, the, the, the the current issue, I guess, with roughing the passer calls, I feel like that's always been an issue, but it's kind of getting ridiculous at this point over the last couple of days. So the issue regarding roughing the passer calls and some other commentary about... Um, coaching stuff in the NFL. Namely, Ron Rivera's interesting commentary as to why his team is where they are, and Matt Rule being fired, and I'll close out by talking about my beloved New York Yankees. So, I'll start with the Jets. Um, I think a lot of talk about this game kind of is what it is with regards to the fans. Like, do I think it was an overly impressive win? No. Um, the Jets played well. They played reasonably well. Through three quarters, it looked kind of eh. But, the, the, I mean, they did... In the end, they did what they were supposed to do. Because, look, if I told you that a, a guy named Skyler was going to be playing quarterback for the Miami Dolphins for the majority of the game because Teddy Bridgewater got injured on the first play, he's going to play the entire game, basically, you would expect... You would expect that the Jets are supposed to win that game. Because, quite frankly... Nobody should be expected to win a game um, as quarterback by a third stringer. That's just not how this works. I'm not saying it can never happen. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying if if your first two quarterbacks get hurt, nobody's supposed to be expected to win. So obviously it works that way when you're on the other side when the team is playing the third string quarterback. You're supposed to win. So there's only so much that I could really say about the fact that they won the game. They were supposed to win it. Now, Zach looked good for what they're asking him to do. The defense in the fourth quarter, it, the, the impressive part, if I was to pick one, was the fact that they got up in the fourth quarter and said, all right, enough is enough. And they and they put boots to their asses. That's what good teams are supposed to do. Like, you're supposed to put boots to bad teams' asses. And no disrespect to the Dolphins roster as a whole, I think it's good. But when you're quarterback by Skylar Thompson, there's only so much that that shit matters. I don't. I can't remember if his last name is Thompson, but his, his first name is fucking Skyler, for God's sake. When you're quarterback by somebody like named Skyler, who is a fucking third stringer, you're supposed to put boots to that ass, and they did in the fourth quarter, and that part of it was impressive. Um, there's been a little back and forth among the fan base that I've seen. Not not that much. But most people are just happy with what it is. They'll take the two wins and then move on. But regarding Zach Wilson and as far as his workload and w- like what he's actually done and how how impressive it actually is, whatever, because they view him as the guy that the offensive coordinator is basically trying to hide. Now, 
Do I think it's an unfair thing to say that Mike LaFleur has been calling plays in a way that he in a way that 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 kind of tips off that he do, he doesn't want to feature Zach that's not unfair. I don't think that that... I, that is basically what has happened. Now, I think there's a big difference between what happened in the Pittsburgh game where the Jets really could not run the ball and what happened in the Miami game where the Jets ran the ball with a lot of success. Did they end up in a lot of second and longs? I mean, it, it felt that way. I'm not, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. It, it felt that way. So it, it, ain't, it, it ain't like... It ain't like it was just all shits and giggles and all fun and you just, you know, second and three all the time. It wasn't that. Now, Brees Hall still averaged five, 5.4 yards a carry when he got the ball. Um, Michael, Carr, Michael Carr didn't do a whole lot, but Brees Hall was doing damage. He got he had 197 total yards of offense. Brees Hall was, was cooking. If you want to continue to give that man the ball when he's doing that, and you end up scoring 40 points anyway. There's only so much that I can sit here and complain about Zach Wilson not being the feature player. Look, in Pittsburgh, through three quarters when it looked nasty, and they were still doing the run on first down every 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 drive, or every every new set of downs, rather, then yeah, the, the, it was perfectly reasonable to complain then, even with how the game ended. Because once they said, once they gave Zach the ball, they're like, all right, man, you got to bring us home. He did. But, like, Zach has passed the one test that they really gave him where it's just like, okay, it's on you. That was the fourth quarter in Heinz Field, and he passed out with flying fucking colors. So, I, 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 Zach has been Zach has been good. And the thing is, what makes it what makes it impressive with Zach is obviously he's a second year quarterback who basically did not have a training camp. And as much as like protecting the football isn't the only thing you should look look at from a quarterback, especially when you took at number two overall. But obviously, the developmental process is still going on with Zach. And going back to last year, I want to say he had like an 140-pass streak without a pick. And he's had like one turnover or something like that in his last seven games, or is it two? Something like that. If you're going to continue to protect the ball like that, I would like to see what that looks like with a slightly expanded role. Eventually, it's going to – unless the Jets' defense is just way fucking better than I think, or they continue to play third-string quarterbacks every week. You're going to, he's going to have to, there, there, there's there's going to be more put on his plate at some point, right? It, it, it ain't going to be, you can't expect to reasonably win football games every week with Zach throwing 21 passes. That's just not going to fucking happen. It happened this week, right? It's not going to continually happen. We'll see what happens, what he, what he does. Um, we, we, will, we will see what he does when it happens. And he has a, a bigger workload because games are more competitive. The Jets might be playing from behind. And so on and so forth. But for a guy who's had no training camp, who's in the second year in the league with new weapons all over the place, and you know a new line that he got to play behind, like he's looked pretty good. Would I like to see more from him? Yeah, not not so much from him. I, I can't really ask for a lot more from him, play wise. I would just like Mike Lafleur to stop acting like his, like he's scared of him. Again, I'm not complaining about what happened this past Sunday because they ran the ball well enough, right? Or at least Brees Hall ran the ball well enough. Nobody else really did. Brees Hall ran the ball well enough, so you could justify, you know, you could justify Zach Wilson being taking a back seat at that particular point. Fine, okay, understood. But going forward, I would like to see more from Zach, or at least more put on his plate. But I mean, if the Jets defense gonna play like that, 
And Zach, and you don't have to put more on this plate. I'm not asking for you to. But eventually you're going to have to. Like, I don't think games like the Pittsburgh game should really happen going forward. But, hey, man, they won a game that they were supposed to win. The, uh, the other team, like, they came in without Tua. Teddy got hurt on the first play. Playing their third string guy. I, I feel like it took too long for the for the defense to just heat him up and just send people at him and make it and, and make him make him make quicker decisions. Given that, you know, he's being thrust into surroundings he's never fucking been in with players he probably never actually played with. I thought it took too way too long for them to, to heat him up and get the ball out of his hands. But they did what they did. They, they did what they needed to do. In the fourth quarter, they blitzed them. Like literally end on the scoreboard, and they they came out with a win. Now the next three games, you got the Packers, you got the Broncos, and you got the Bills, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, well, actually, you know, let let me check what the third game is. I know they got the Packers and they got the Broncos. I mean, the Patriots. Sorry, the Patriots is the third game of that three. Now, if the if the Jets manage to win two of these three games. You're talking about a play. You're talking about playoff picture stuff now. If they manage to to leave, if they leave MetLife on ten thirty at five and three, and in however however the two wins come, you're talking about a play. You're talking about a potential playoff team. Period. Um, how likely is it that they win two out of three? I don't fucking know, bro. Because the NFL is basically right now. It's like all right, you have the Bills. You have, I guess, the Chiefs. You have the Eagles. And then it's kind of just everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, everybody else is some variation of, oh, I, I can see how they could be good. Or just, eh. I feel like that describes the NFL. It's like three good teams, a couple others. You're like, okay, I can, I can see the vision. And then, eh. That's the entire NFL. So, like, we're going into the Packers game this week. I... I, I what what worries me about this particular football game is how the Packers lost this past week. And let me explain. So the Packers ran the ball effectively enough this past week where they didn't need to keep. Like I was recording, I was recording for for, for underdog. I was well, recording, streaming, whatever. I was streaming for underdog during that game, and I was. I was turning and looking at the screen every now and again while um, while my while my guy Coley was talking, and I feel like every time I looked up, they were taking some kind of deep shot. Aaron Rodgers was throwing the ball out of bounds, whether intentional or not intentional, he was throwing the ball out of bounds. And it was weird to me that that, that they had him throw forty passes when the Packers averaged between Dylan and um, Jones, they ran for ninety one yards on nineteen carries. So basically, they were getting nearly five yards a pop. Why they went away from that is beyond me. And the Jets' run defense has left a lot to be desired this year. So my concern is they overcorrect, well, not even overcorrect, they correct from last week and they stick with what the fuck is working and they run the damn ball. That, that's my concern. Like, we, we are in 2022. Aaron Rodgers is still playing at a relatively high level given his surroundings, and he still has the ability to wreck a game for, for, the, for the opponent. And I'm sitting here like, my concern is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. That's where we're at. Because it is. That's my concern, that they just turn around and be like, all right, you know what? We're not going to make the same mistake two weeks in a row. We're going to turn around, we're going to give A.J. the ball, we're going to give Aaron, Dillon, I'm, uh, Aaron Jones the ball, 
and we, we, we are going to limit Aaron Rodgers' pass attempts because we don't have a lot of confidence in our receivers right now. And I, I, I get it on some degree because, look, if, you're, if the Packers are going to make it somewhere this year, they're going to need those receivers at some point. So you're going to need reps. You're going to need it, – it's a – the the entire season for the Packers basically is a trust building exercise. Let's say they go out there and they trade for a vet, which I can't understand why they would do that now instead of the offseason when they had all that time to do it to sign or trade for a good vet. They had all of that time. So I don't see why they would do that now. But it's a trust building exercise. So like I get on some degree why you would do that, but at the same time it's a fine line between doing that and winning games. Like that you gotta straddle. And to me the play calling I'm not going to say it cost them the game singularly. The Giants played well and they deserve credit. But it just didn't make a whole lot of sense given how the game was actually going. So we're going to see what happens with that particular game. The Broncos game, the Broncos defense ain't no joke. So I'm not going to say, like, Russell Wilson, I can't imagine he's going to stay this bad forever. Maybe he will. Maybe this is just he's washed. Maybe he's injured. I don't fucking know. Maybe he's this bad forever. But their defense is no joke, and I can't imagine he stays this bad forever. So I, I, I don't feel good about the Jets' chance of winning that game. Like, I feel best about them beating the Packers which sounds, which, in Lambeau, which feels ridiculous to me, at the, saying that out loud. But it is what it is based on what I know and based on what I see on the field and based on matchups. The Patriots game... Division games, who the fuck knows? Mac Jones coming back, who who knows how the fuck that could end up? But can the Jets, can the Jets, do, do I look at it as individually going into any of these games that the Jets ain't got no shot? No. And and that's really all you could reasonably ask for when, when, when you're looking at October and the Jets are six games or five games in and you, you think they could compete week in and week out. That's all, we've been, that's all reasonable Jets fans have been asking for for a long time. And here we are. But I did mention Tua not too long ago. So speaking of that, the rough in the passer calls in the NFL are, at least the in the last couple of days, have been kind of wild. And I mean, yes, I'm I am admittedly pointing at two of them in particular because I don't think we see those two. If the Tua incident didn't happen, I don't feel like the referees would be twerking so hard to call rough in the passer penalties on what are normal sacks like. The Tom Brady play where the egregious part to me, I feel like we all know what happened. Like, Grady Jarrett sacked him. Like, he, I guess he he twirled him, if you want to call it that. He spun him around. Whatever whatever terminology you want to use, we all saw the play. You saw it. I saw it. We all saw the play, right? He sacks him. Tom Brady kicks him on the way by, number one, or tries to trip him. Whatever whatever that leg, leg maneuver he was doing, he did that after the play, right? He's bitching to the rest for a flag on a normal sack. And this is the same guy who said the game got soft, by the way. Same guy. Bitching for a flag on a normal fucking sack, right? And on a big third down with the, with the Falcons down by a score, they wiped that all out because Brady apparently was roughed. And it's just... And then Chris Jones last night sacks Derek Carr, takes the ball out of his hands, and they're like, well, roughing the passer, you know... We're going to protect... How are you protecting the passer? And mind you, I understand that it's hard to see that while it's happening. But the referee gave the explanation after the game, and there was nowhere where he's like, yo, I was wrong. He didn't have the ball. None of that. It was just, we're protecting the passer. And it's like, all right, now that you've seen the film, you've seen it, 
And you're still going to tell us that you're protecting the passer when he had nothing to pass. The guy got the ball taken out of his hand. What did you want Chris Jones to do? He took the ball out of his hands. He, he tackled him. He landed on him, quote unquote. What, what did you want him to do? Like, these quarterbacks are 230, 235-pound dudes. Like, you can't put a finger on them. Well, I'm not going to say you can't. Like, Aaron Dowell probably could. But for the most part, you can't just put a finger on them and tackle them that way. That's just not how this works. So, I understand that the NFL is overcorrecting because of what happened to Tua and that whole situation. But but with the way roughing the passer is set up anyway, you can't hit him high, you can't hit, you can't hit him low. I don't, this is just too much. If we're good, if this is going to be a trend going forward, the, this is just too fucking much. It was bad anyway, and now you're just taking it to like where now you got to hold your breath at normal tackles if if you're rooting for a team and they, they hit the quarterback. You you got to hold your breath and just pray that there's no flag on plays where the guy hits the quarterback normally. What are we doing here? Because again, with the overcorrection on stuff with the NFL, like the kick return rules, all this stuff, it's just. And I'm not trying to sit here and say the NFL should not care about CTE, should not care about their players' health. I'm not saying, even though the NFL is kind of really, not kind of, they're, they're fake as hell with, with their concern about players, player, player health. Because, all right, you, you care about player health, but you got these guys playing two games in four days. How does that work? You know what I mean? You, got, you care about player health, but you want to extend, extend the season to 17 games. You care about player health, but you want to send players to London and have them play the next week anyway. Like... At, at what point are you frauds? You claim to care about player health, but you do all this shit. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but they 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 they're selective about when they do and they don't, or when they fake do and fake when they fake care as opposed to when they don't. And what I'm saying is, all of this stuff you're trying to make smoking more healthy, bro. Like, hey man, some of the rules to keep the. From a purely entertainment standpoint, some of these rules put in place to keep the players on the field, I get it. And I respect it. Fine. Understood. But again, Chris Jones got a penalty for, for stripping Derek Carr and tackling him. Or falling on him, whatever you want to call it. Grady Jarrett got a penalty for sacking the quarterback. Like, what happened to Tua is what happened to Tua. I get it. And, I, and it's a bad look for everybody involved. Fine. Understood. If the response is going to be this, then as Chris Jones said, like you gotta at least make it that you can review it, bro. Cause it can't be this. Cause it's way too easy for these kind of calls to cost teams, bro. Like that 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 Chris Jones call cost um and ended up leading to a Raiders field goal. The the Tom Brady call that that extended a drive where the Falcons were down by a score with whatever like three minutes left. I can't remember how much time was left. That ended up extending a drive where the Falcons were trying to make a comeback and they were down by a score. Like, it's too easy to cost people over bullshit like that, bro. And and quite frankly, subjective-ass penalties like that should be should be, should be be reviewable anyway. They always should have been. If you're going to make every fucking thing else reviewable, reviewable, you might as well make that shit reviewable, bro. So... Hey man, I'm I'm not I'm not with that shit, and I know I'm gonna be pissed off because at some point it's gonna cost the Jets. I know at some point it's gonna cost the Jets, and it's gonna be like, hey man, he tackled him. What do you want him to do? Like, what did you want Chris Jones to do? What did you want Grady Jarrett to do? You are penalizing these these players for doing their jobs. Why? Speaking of quarterbacks, so Ron Rivera, 
Ron Rivera was asked about why the the Washington Commanders um, rebuilding phase or whatever you want to call it, rebuild, let's call it rebuild, was taking longer was taking longer and not seeing the same kind of results that the Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles rebuilds were taking. That started at the same time. First of all, I don't know where the Cowboys ever actually rebuilt, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but point remains, he was asked that question, and he, and he gave a very, very brief and right-to-the-point answer. Quarterback, he says. So, number one, Carson Wentz was handpicked by Ron Rivera. Right, he picked Carson Wentz. Correct? They 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 asked him what he wanted at quarterback. They, he was obviously a, a strong proponent of Carson Wentz, and he brought him award. And mind you, the same Carson Wentz who two teams in the prior two years could not wait to get rid of Carson Wentz. Is this about just Carson Wentz talent or whatever you want to call it? Maybe, maybe not. From what you hear behind the scenes, nobody really likes the guy. But obviously, all of that stuff is hearsay. You know, it depends on who you hear it from, when you hear it from, when you hear it from them, all kind of shit, right? But look, man, you picked Carson Wentz, knowing what the risk is, because number one, he was in your division. Number two, that team in your division couldn't wait to get rid of him. And number three, he's been on two teams in two years, bro. The Colts. I have never heard a team be so upfront about wanting to get rid of a player before. The Colts were like, the GM was out here in public like, yo, please take this guy. Like, they did everything but put him on the sidewalk with a, for, with, with, with a please take sign, bro. They did everything but that. And you took him on anyway, and now you're talking about quarterback. When, again, you picked the fucking guy, knowing what it was and knowing what it could be based on what we've fucking seen. And it gets even more, that commentary gets even more egregious when you realize the Cowboys are winning games with Cooper Rush throwing the ball like 10 times a game right now. The Cowboys are winning games despite having um, the 27th best offense in the league by total yards. And I know total yards are what they are. I don't know where they are scoring-wise, but it can't be that much higher, right? Um, the, uh, Brian Dable's been with the Giants for 10 minutes. Daniel Jones in a brand-new system looking competent. So, and I mean, the Eagles, the Eagles are the Eagles, fine. You, you want to make the continuity argument with them, at least you have a point there. But you're talking about quarterback, and it's like, well, two of them are playing with guys that nobody considers good, one of them being a backup and winning. And obviously, like, Jalen Hurts looks like he's, he, he's taking strides. Like, I don't know if he's ever going to be elite, but he looks like he isn't a question mark no more. Like, the Eagles don't have to question who their quarterback is for the next couple of years. At least that's how I view Jalen Hurts at this very moment, right? So the whole quarterback thing doesn't work when you pick the guy and other teams in your division are thriving with guys that either they might not want in an ideal scenario or are backups. It doesn't work, bro. And I know he's not going to come out and just say, I suck. Like, coaches, players don't typically do that. But if you're going to drive the bus over your starting quarterback, who I assume is still going to be starting unless they give the, the, the reins to Sam Howell or whoever the hell the backup is at this point, I have no idea who it is. I assume that Carson Wentz is going to be starting for the foreseeable future. You driving the bus over him and then reversing and driving it back over him just doesn't help anybody. Especially like we, we know that it ain't just him because before he got here, you were still doing the same shit. 
Like the 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 the, the commanders, I think what did they win the division two years ago at seven and nine? Whatever it was, they made the playoffs at seven and nine. That was that wasn't in the least bit impressive. Right? And they've been worse since. They've done nothing since Ron Rivera's been there. And it's just you're gonna blame Carson Wentz for this. Like he hasn't been here the whole time. He hasn't been here the whole time this rebuild was going on, bro. And again, you picked him. Look in the fucking mirror and take some responsibility for what you did. That's it. And speaking of coaches, Matt Rule got fired. And I don't have much to add about that because I, I wasn't one of them strong proponents of Matt Rule in the first place. Like, I'm talking about this from a Jets perspective because there was a lot of rumors about him being hired here and he wanted a certain level of power that the Jets weren't willing to give him, which looks... Which would look a lot smarter in hindsight if they didn't turn around and then give Adam Gase all kinds of power to, uh, to hire coaches, get GMs fired, and so on and so forth, right? But at least they looked right on one half of the equation, so they looked right there. Now, hey man, all, I'm saying this is I'm saying that to say this. I'm not gonna pretend like I care that much about Matt Rule. Matt Rule is rich. Matt Rule's getting paid to sit his ass at home. Hey, if somebody wants to. If somebody wants to give me a job, fire me in two years, and then, and then pay me millions of dollars to get the fuck out, please do so. But, jokes aside, all I have to say about the Panthers is please trade DJ Moore. I'm begging. Like, I, I, I am begging. Like, 1995 Keith Sweat. Please trade DJ Moore. I'm begging. Um, I think it would make... I don't think they have to, given the fact that they're probably going to suck enough to have a really good draft pick. I don't think they have to trade DJ Moore at all. I think trading Christian McCaffrey is smart for a lot of reasons. He is an injury-prone running back. He's currently healthy, right? And he's making a lot of fucking money. Like, by the time the, the Panthers are ready to compete for anything, Christian McCaffrey either going to be on another team or dust. That's how running backs typically work, bro. He's going to be on another team or dust. That's two, three years from now, bro. You might as well trade him and get what you can for him and move on. But I'm not going to pretend like I care about the Panthers. Please trade DJ Moore. Like, hopefully PJ Walker is better for DJ Moore than fucking Baker Mayfield was. That shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be a hard. Uh, that 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 shouldn't be a hard um, hill to climb. Like being better than Baker Mayfield was for DJ Moore or is for DJ Moore. But please trade DJ Moore, bro. Like you're going nowhere fast. He makes a lot of money. I don't think personally, objectively, I don't think it's that smart to do so. I don't think you need to. But I prefer if you do. That'd be nice. Please. With sprinkles on top. I'm begging you. Before I got here, just a little Yankees talk. So I'm, I'm going to be at the building for games one and two of the ALDS against the Cleveland Guardians. Um, as far as the series, the, the, the Guardians offense doesn't scare me at all. Their pitching staff kind of does. Like Bieber and McKenzie are no joke. Um, hey, man. Jose Ramirez is on the other team. Like He's one of those dudes who can win you a series by himself. Garrett Cole, they paid you $36 million a year for these kind of outings. The, the His year has been kind of uneven. Like, he's been really, really good. And I, I think what gets lost in his numbers is the Red Sox killed him. That's one team. And there were a couple starts in there where defense actively led to a lot of earned runs that shouldn't have been called earned runs. It should have been errors. But Whatever. Either way, Garrett Cole, I, I have a lot of Yankee fans don't have any faith in him. I have faith. I have complete faith in Garrett Cole. I think he's going to go out there and have a really good outing. And I think the Yankees are going to win the series in four games. Go Yankees. 
on that note, I'd like to implore you to listen to the Middle Initial Podcast with myself, Andrew L. Case, and Jude, L. Jude A. Jackson as we discuss current sports topics. Watch my show on Underdog, the fantasy football show. The Underdog's fantasy football show. Um, I'm going to be on from 12 to 1 every Sunday. Watch that. Um, subscribe so you, so you get the notifications for when I'm on. And I will see you when I see you. I'm that nigga, y'all. I ain't even lying. I'm running fashion, man. I ain't even trying. I see these fuck boys hating on me. Been in the crib three years. They still waiting on me. But I'm done with the front and I'm popping the trunk and pressing the button. No stop.